What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatelic TIS podcast presented by Manscaped with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this Tuesday, February the 22nd, the year 2022, otherwise known as 2-2, otherwise known as 2-22-2022. Uh, it's nice to have you with us here on this, uh, what, mid-slash-late February program here on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may be listening to this uh, excellent program. Got lots to do, lots to talk about here. Um, What's kind of a dead week in sports, you know, with the NCAA tournament, uh, you know, with less than a month away. uh, Got some items that I want to touch on uh, that may be considered old news, but I want to give them their proper due justice for uh, attention. I uh, I will address... I will address uh, Jawan Howard and the give you my thoughts in the NBA All-Star game and the MLB lockout. That will give you my thoughts on that next episode coming up uh, coming up later this week. Um, but I will address on, you know, news that kind of uh, took storm of the sports nation uh, around su- in and around Super Bowl uh, week, albeit it might be old news, but I want to give you my two cents on it. Uh, here for the here on today's show, and I also want to uh, give you a couple of more thoughts uh, as I walked away from the microphone after a two-hour and twenty-five-minute episode uh, on what what day was that the uh, the Tuesday or whatever the fifteenth on February fifteenth last week walked away you know screaming and yelling about the Super Bowl for uh, you know for two hours and twenty-five minutes, and you know and two hours later I'm like. I still got plenty of things I still got to say about this, about that Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty Six, of course, Rams and Bengals. I'll give my two cents on that. Come coming up a little bit later on in the show, but don't worry. Jawan Howard, MLB lockout, NBA All Star game. Give my two cents on later this week, so it's a slow sports week. So I, you know, won't have to worry about you know trying to uh, jam everything. Uh, jam everything in. I won't have to worry about that with it being a slow sports week this week. NBA regular season, the last third of it uh, doesn't kick off or tip off, I should say, until Thursday. Uh, you know, yours truly is not a hockey fan, so the NHL talk is out the window. Uh, nobody cares about the Winter Olympics. Thank God they're over. Uh, you know, taking up time on a Wednesday nights for one of my favorite TV shows in Chicago PD hasn't been on since what January twenty third, something there or other. Uh, and you know, we finally get it back on uh, Wednesday because of the Winter Olympics. Uh, the garbage Winter Olympics that were terrible. Nobody watched. Nobody paid attention. Plus, the Winter Olympics uh, don't hold a candle to the Summer Olympics to begin with anyway. Uh, thank God they're over. So, no Winter Olympic talk from yours truly. I'll get to the lockout, and I will get to the Juwan Howard uh, fiasco that took place in Madison, Wisconsin on Sunday. And, of course, uh, not necessarily the NBA All-Star game, but the slam dunk contest that took place on Saturday night, which was an absolute joke and an utter disgrace. A trade that took place that I didn't, have, uh, that I didn't address because dealing with the machinations and the, cha- and the chaoticness, or the, excuse me, the chaos 
of uh, Super Bowl 56, and that is the uh, the Ben Simmons-James uh, Harden trade that took place on February 10th as uh, two first-round draft picks head to Brooklyn in the trade that went through uh, the Thursday before the Super Bowl. Uh, the Brooklyn receives Philadelphia's unprotected 2022 First round draft pick with the right to defer 2023 as well as a top eight protected 2027 first round pick uh, that of uh, ESPN's Adrian Wozniarowski. And here is my take on the trade uh, here. We get this out of the way. I also got to give my two cents on Tom Brady retiring, which I didn't have a chance to address the whole fiasco with that when it broke the Saturday, the Saturday before the conference championship weekend. So we will uh, I don't want to say eulogize, but we will uh, put the silver, put the uh, big bow on TB12's career coming up later in the program as well, and the uh, NFL coaching carousel stuff as far as the head coaching vacancies in the NFL. So basically, just housekeeping, you know, getting getting my two cents on various things that have happened in sports, not Super Bowl related, out of the way. Giving my final thoughts on the Super Bowl to close out the program. And of course, later this week, I get to uh, slam dunk contest, Juwan Howard, and the MLB lockout situation. But it speaks, but sticking with the James Harden Ben Simmons trade, you know, you, there's a question that's been thrown out in the media and on social media, you know, TV, you know, who won the trade? You know, what team won the trade? What team is better off? Uh, is better off with the opposite player? And, you know, now that I've allowed it, what, like 10, 12 days to let it swirl around in my head, the answer that I come up with is uh, is really nobody for, for various reasons. You know, the Nets win the trade on the, on the aspect that they get a player that uh, that they get a player that doesn't have to have the ball in his hands 99% of the time. They get a player that they can win with as long as Kyrie or as either uh, either if the New York and is and according to the new New York City mayor that the vaccination laws might change, you know, an unvaccinated player can come into Madison Square Garden, can come into the Barclays Center and play, but yet a player that plays for either the Knicks or the Nets who's unvaccinated can't. I mean, I mean, sheer hypocrisy and just sheer double talk at its finest. The new mayor said that that, that, that may be up for debate. Adam Silver uh, echoed the same sentiments last week. But as far as Kyrie Irving and the Nets are concerned, you know, the Nets win the trade because, you know, they get rid of James Harden. And I'll get to James Harden here from in a minute. But from a Brooklyn Nets perspective, you know, the Nets win the trade because of the fact that, you know, they don't have to worry about, okay, we got to give, we got to make sure KD has the best ball in his hand. Kyrie has the best ball in his hand. James Harden has, like, when you have three prolific scores on the same team, that's a, in 2022 NBA basketball, I, more times than not, that that can end up being a recipe for disaster. All you know, James Harden can score, KD, KD can score, Kyrie Irving can score. They all can shoot the three, and they're phenomenal offensive players. You know, you only got one basketball, and there's three players. You know, and as we saw, you know, throughout the last two plus seasons that we've seen them play together, that that can end up more times not being a recipe for disaster. So, you know, one, so two, it's that the Brooklyn Nets, it was a situation with them where it was too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, James, one player is going to be the odd man out when it comes to 
being the prolific scorer in the you know when you check the box scores on a night in night out basis. So one player was going to be the odd man out, and they cut Harden. And they, and in my opinion, they cut the worst of the three. Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, when he does play, is absolutely phenomenal, sensational. I mean, he's just a tremendous guard, and is a guard-oriented uh, league anyway. Not you know, and and Kyrie Irving is the better guard than James Harden. James Harden's good for his it's good for his offense. That's about it. Def, defense, eh. Uh, everything else, eh. He's just good for just putting the ball in the basket. That's it. Plus, Kyrie Irving's an NBA champion. You know, NBA champion, three one lead with the Cavs, twenty sixteen. He ha- he has that he has that uh, below his belt. You know, you you ask me right now, who would you rather have to start your franchise with, or who would you rather have to put together a championship contending roster, Kyrie Irving or James Harden? I'm taking Kyrie Irving every single day of the week, twice on twice on Sunday. I'm taking him over James Harden, because James Harden shown you whether it's whether it's with the with the Rockets or. Or, or or Oklahoma City, he's shown you that when, that he is a phenomenal regular season player from October to mid-April, from late April to May to June. He ain't he ain't worth two nickels rubbed together. He just isn't. He is one of those players that that is good enough to get you to the playoffs. But when the rubber meets the road, and when championships on the line, and when seasons on the line, and when you know this is where legacies and champions are made, he does not deliver the goods. Whether whether it, when his team couldn't throw the ball off a boat into the ocean when he missed twenty one when he when he missed twenty one twenty I forget how many threes it was twenty twenty one twenty four twenty seven doesn't make any damn difference consecutive threes against Golden State where they hoist up nine million threes and none of them went in I mean that that falls on James Harden's lap. Uh, when they couldn't get it done, when they couldn't get it done, now albeit Chris Paul got injured, but they couldn't get it done against Golden State when they, I believe they had a three-two series lead up against them. I mean, it just I mean, three-one lead when he when he his last year with he and uh, or not he not his last year. I'm thinking of uh, Kevin Durant, but when he was a member with uh, with Oklahoma City, he couldn't get it done many a times in the NBA Finals. So the Brooklyn Nets they cut off the dead weight. Uh, and James Horn, so they want to trade on that aspect, and they get a player that doesn't have to have the ball in his hands constantly. Unlike Harden, you know, having, uh, you know, having uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant already on the team. Now, where the now where the Seventy Sixers lose, you know, well, now, excuse me, where the where the Brooklyn Nets lose is the fact that if there's a situation where Kyrie Irving, you know, for whatever reason, has to maintain his part time status, and 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 for whatever reason, the vaccination laws are not changed in New York City. Well, it's it's Kevin Durant, and it's going to be the Kevin Durant show because Kyrie, because we all know Ben Simmons, his offense ain't worth a damn. So if you're a so if you're a Brooklyn Net fan, the few of you uh the few of you uh out there that uh the few of you out there that are Nets fans, you know, you better hope and pray that, that either Kyrie Irving by some stroke of God gets vaccinated or the NBA in co- in cohesion with the New York City uh state legislature loosens the uh loosens the loss as far as you know you have to have a uh a vac a vaccine vac a vaccination card in order for you to come in the indoor buildings without a mask on so either one of those two things and if one of those two things don't happen or you know if one of those two things don't happen or you 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 might you might be screwed you might be screwed 
And that's where trained James Harden comes back to bite you in the ass because you have no because you have no prolific dominant score outside of Kevin Durant. That's where it hurts you. So you're really counting on the vaccination laws in New York City to be changed or Kyrie Irving, by some miracle, he ends up getting vaccinated in order for this Ben Simmons trade to be worth it. Because the vaccination laws stay the same come April 22nd or May 22nd. And Kyrie Irving's unvax is still unvaccinated, hell bent on being unvaccinated, then then their championship hopes take a tremendous blow. Because Ben Simmons, ladies and gentlemen, stinks. He stinks. But go back and listen to when I damn near popped a million blood vessels when I screamed and yelled back in the summertime about how Ben Simmons, you know, making all the, making the money that he's making and he's out, you know, overseas going to soccer ga- soccer games and he ain't in the gym working on his jump shot and working on his free throws. I mean, you're guarding NBA and you can't make a damn jump shot. You're afraid to shoot the basketball. Your free th- your free throw shooting percentage is in the toilet. And and, th- and if you're Ben Simmons, this is what you're doing now. We getting paid. We getting paid a, a bushel amounts of money. Bushels amounts of money. I mean seriously. And that's the problem with Ben Simmons. You know, he gets freed out of Philadelphia, goes to Brooklyn, and all of a sudden, you know, he he's bright eyed and bushy tailed and can't wait to suit up for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, it's the same guy that 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 screamed that screamed and yelled and moaned and groaned about the mental health issues, and 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 it be, and 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 signing that is the reason why he hasn't hasn't been playing. Mental health, my ass, with with Ben Simmons. I understand it might not be the politically correct thing to say, but let's let, let's call a spade a spade and call it and call it like we see it. Okay, mental health bullcrap. Okay, Ben Simmons straight up did not want to put. He didn't want to put in the work. He he didn't want to get in the gym, work on his game, work on his jump shot, work on his free throws. He wanted he wanted the benefits of being a multimillionaire, getting paid the big butts. He wanted the benefits. Of you know taking him and his girlfriend overseas to soccer games over in Europe and, and 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 wanted the money and the status and the fame and the little check mark on his Twitter. He wanted all of that, all of that. But from an outsider's perspective, he didn't he didn't he didn't want to put the work in alongside it, and he straight up quit on the Philadelphia 76ers. Quit on him. Didn't like the fact that he was getting booed. Didn't like didn't like the fact that he was getting booed. Didn't like the fact that Charles Barkley and Shaq ripped them a, ripped them a new one on national television. Didn't like the fact that he was a a sheer laughing stock and a butt of every joke all throughout the summer when he got outplayed by Kevin Hooter of of out of the University of Maryland for the uh, Atlanta Hawks game seven in his own building. Fast break, nobody around him, and he's afraid to dunk the basketball for whatever the reason. Getting embarrassed in front of the likes of Allen Iverson and Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, Dr. J sitting courtside at the Wells Fargo Arena. Hearing me screaming, yo, sweating my sweating my heart out, damn near popping a blood vessel in my in my neck and forehead, screaming and yelling about how much you know how inept he was. And how he essentially cost his team, uh, you know, a, a, a playoff series. He either must have listened to the show, or, or or that really got to him because he's straight up and down quit, quit, quit on the Philadelphia 76ers. Quit on him. 
I mean, about a week, or, a week or so, a month, whatever it was, summertime after the after the uh, the seventy sixers season is over, and I'm seeing him picture him in the New York Post overseas, watch watching a soccer game with with his boo thing instead of instead of getting in the gym and working on his game. When when, when he's getting when he's getting paid when he's getting paid ha, ha, good money hand over fist. I'm gonna look up his contract in a minute. Uh, because you know the, the money that the money that he's making, uh, and for him to perform and, and essentially act like a petulant a petulant child, the way he did with the Philadelphia seventy six when he did nothing but embarrass himself, is an absolute disgrace. I mean, under contract for a five year one hundred and seventy seven million dollar contract, getting paid thirty five million dollars a year, and he couldn't get in the gym and work on his game, work on his free throws, his mid range, his three point shot. As as a as a guard, a guard in the NBA playing in 2020, 2021, 2022, really, really. First first overall draft pick in the twenty sixteen draft, getting paid thirty five million dollars a year over a five, five year contract, paying hand over fist. He couldn't get in the gym, work on his game. Really? And I'm supposed to take him seriously claiming mental health when he's just butt hurt because everybody and their mother, and rightfully so, was critiquing him and bashing him and shooting him into the sun. Yet all of a sudden, mental health mental health issues go out the door and he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, you know, shoot around with, uh, with, Ke- with Kevin Durant up in Brooklyn. Really? Really? Call like we see it. He 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 quit on the Philadelphia 76ers. He quit on them. Didn't want to work on his game. S- mentally soft and pampered as hell. And he wanted out. Heard the tune. Didn't want to pay the piper. Embarrassed himself. Embarrassed the city. Embarrassed the Philadelphia 76ers franchise with his performance against Atlanta. Back in early June, wherever, whenever it was, back back last summer, embarrassed himself. Didn't like the heat he was catching, so he went into the corner of the room, curled up in a fetal position, and, and hadn't moved until that trade broke down uh, ten ten days ago. Simple. I'm supposed to take him seriously with the mental health issues, yet he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Beaming in a, in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, really. The, the 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 solution for his quote unquote mental health issues, his mental demons, was him was him getting what he wanted all along and just getting out of Philadelphia, getting traded elsewhere. That's not mental health issues. That's called being dis. That's called being uh, as uh, as having discontentment with your employer. That's called having a contentious relationship with your current employer and wishing you were working somewhere else. It's not mental health issues. People, people have been dealing with that crap since since the work since the workforce and corporate America started centuries ago. He quit on Philadelphia 76ers. Didn't like the heat he was getting for his piss poor play. Didn't like the criticism. Couldn't take the criticism. So he took so like a petulant child that he is, he took his ball and went home. Simple. 
couldn't deal with the criticism, so he curled up into the fetal position in the corner of the room, took his ball, and went home. He quit on Doc Rivers. He He quit on... Kevin Durant, or not Kevin Durant, he quit on Joel Embiid. Quit on everybody. Maury, the GM, the fans, everybody. Let's call it like we see it. Don't tap dance around the issue and be politically correct trying to, you know, trying to protect his feelings. To hell with his feelings. He quit on the Philadelphia 76ers, didn't want to put in the work. That's all there is to it. As for James Harden, you know he he's another guy. You 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 cannot you do you don't like either of these two players. You cannot, in any circumstances, you know, be in love or justify these two players in the the two key pieces, the two key pawns in this trade. Their, their behavior, their behavior, and their actions. You can't. Ben Simmons quit on his team. And, you know, God bless Kevin Durant having to put up with, with with that emotional headache on top of dealing with Kyrie Irving in the same boat. How about James Harden? You know, James Harden, who did nothing but embarrass himself, uh, you know, was given the ranch. The ranch when he was with uh, when he was with the Houston Rockets was given the ranch and still still couldn't find a way to get it done and get the Houston Rockets to an NBA finals. Couldn't get it done. What happens? The writing's on the wall. Rockets have to pay for essentially selling out their selling their soul and selling their future to win now because of James Harden, who couldn't get it done. Brought in Chris Paul, that didn't work. Brought in Russell Westbrook, that didn't work. James Harden's demands. Westbrook CP3 did not work. Didn't work. What happens? What happens? They got a, the, 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 the time to pay up for the Houston Rockets. Sees that, you know, they're going to have a substandard season. Their championship windows close shut. What does he do? He literally eats himself and eats his way out of Houston. Eats his way out of Houston. Gets overweight, out of shape, on purpose to force his way out of Houston so he can go ring chasing with KD and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. What happens then? He gets his wish. He gets to Brooklyn, doesn't win a damn, gets hurt, doesn't win a damn thing. Then all of a sudden... Dealing with, now I understand, dealing with Kyrie Irving and having Kyrie Irving as a teammate, you know, is one one of the hardest things to do in the world. On top of being the president of the United States and being a healthcare worker during the last two plus years dealing with COVID. And negotiating a deal between the MLB Players Association and Major League Baseball. I get it. 2022, one of the hard, it's on the top of the list of hardest jobs, hardest things to do in this in this day and age is be Kyrie Irving's teammate. Slash, in essence, co-worker. 
So I get it. Dealing with Kyrie Irving and his foolishness wasn't, you know, wasn't, isn't, nor has, and is ever going to be an easy task. But the way that you acted like an ass on your way out the door with Houston, not even two years have gone by. Not even. What, he, he pulled that crap in what? The winter of 2021? Not even a... It's been a whole calendar year. Not even two two whole years. Two whole seasons have gone by and all of a sudden it's... I want out. I want to go to Philadelphia. Really? Shame on both of them. James Harden was given the world down there in Houston. Couldn't get it done. Got fat, ate his way out of town. Gets his wish when he really shouldn't have be rewarded for that for his piss poor behavior. But gets rewarded nevertheless. Gets to Brooklyn. Gets injured. All in all, underwhelming performance and underwhelming career as a Brooklyn net. Doesn't want a championship, which was his main goal anyway, to go ride on Kevin Dur- excuse me, Kevin Durant and uh and Kyrie Irving's coattails to go ring chasing because he couldn't get it done in Houston. Decides he wants out and gets his wish and goes to Philadelphia. I mean what 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 a joke. What an absolute joke. I'm down I'm I'm completely down on on Ben Simmons and I am and I just as down on and just as rooting against James Harden. Both of them clowns. 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 Instead, instead of Brooklyn or Philadelphia, give me Give me Miami or, uh, or 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 the defending champs in Milwaukee. Miami, best team in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, defending champs. Give me those two out of the East. Give me those two out of the East. Give me an early another early exit for uh, Mister Mister Free Throw and uh, Mister Strip Club. Early exits, playoff, the both of them. Enough. Enough. Shameful. Shameful. Take a break. I will finally give you my two cents on the Tom Brady retirement coming up. This is the Amatella Cateliers podcast. Support for the Amatella Cateliers podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming across the entire whole wide world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. In fact, Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Oh, you heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. So why not join over the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer made just for you? That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage via travel lock. 
It even gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. That I mentioned it also has wireless charging as well. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction to help the battery length last longer. So if you want 20% off plus free shipping on your next order, just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Your balls will certainly thank you. Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. All you got to do is just use the code THESHIELD5. Once again, T-H-E-S-H-I-E-L-D, number 5, all capitalized at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back to the Amatelki TIS podcast. Tom Brady has now retired, at least we think for now. Uh, Tom Brady, the uh, seven-time Super Bowl champion quarterback of the, of the New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, decided to hang it up. Uh, what, the, the uh, week in between, quote-unquote, Pro Bowl week, he decided to hang it up. After a 20, what, 22 seasons in the National Football League, as a member of the New England Patriots, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he now decided to hang it up. I waited to comment, and on top of the fact that it occurred during the hustle and bustle of Conference Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl and Brian and the whole, and Brian Flores and that, so like I haven't had a chance to address it. And one of the reasons why I my first initial reason for waiting to address it uh, was because of the fact that it was leaked via Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter that he had retired. And this news, uh, quote-unquote, broke the day before, the Saturday before, the day before Conference Championship Sunday. And I had already made the episode the previous day, and I wanted to like hold off on that. And also you'd be more wound up in the, in two team, in the four teams competing to go to the Super Bowl than you would, you know, Tom Brady's career, which, you know, you can... Uh, which, you know, you can memorialize and remember and pay homage and tribute to, you know, all, all, you know, all throughout the rest of the winter and through the spring and throughout the summer. But now that you've gotten the on-the-field NFL stuff out of the way and, again, just do some housekeeping, Tom Brady, phenomenal career from 2000. It's funny, you know, Brady, I mean, it's just the, and I'll give my two cents on Brady first, but just to give like his accolades and his accolades and his numbers, you know, he, he had three hall of fame careers wrapped up in one, three of them, 
from 2001 to 2007, 86 wins. That's more than Roger Staubach. He threw for 197 touchdowns, more than Joe Namath. 26,364 passing yards. That's more than Bob Greasy. And he won three Super Bowls. 01, 03, 04, 03, 04, of course, the ones back-to-back. Then from 08, and then who can also forget 2007, where he had that phenomenal offense with uh, with uh, with Randy Moss and the 07 Patriots being the uh, f- being the f- the most recent un- the most recent team in NFL history to have an undefeated regular season. Of course, they one of you and you can make the argument one of the greatest upsets in the history of American sports, losing to the New York Giants in Super Bowl for, uh, 42. And then of course you have. The Patriots and Brady's career from 08 to 2014, 73 wins. That's more than Kurt Warner. 195 touchdown passes. Uh, he threw for two, 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 excuse me, 26,812 passing yards. That's more than Bart Starr. He only won the one title, though, from that 08 to 2014 window, of course, and it capped an obvious more than Dan Marino, of course, who's considered the greatest quarterback to uh, the greatest quarterback of all time to never win to never win the Super Bowl. 08 to 2014 was an interesting time. Of course, 08 he tears his ACL in the uh, he tears his ACL in the season opener. And 08 misses all of that 2008 season. 2009 he comes back. Uh, time, he comes back. Good season. Patriots win a division. Get ran out of the playoffs in the opening round at home by the uh, wild card seeded uh, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Of course, that's when Ray Wright said that phenomenal, tremendous uh, day against the uh, phenomenal, tremendous uh, outing against the Ravens prior to uh, prior to the Bills Patriots game on Super Wild Card Weekend. That was Bill Belichick's largest margin of defeat uh, in the playoffs. Prior Prior to, of course, the beatdown that he and the Patriots suffered up at Orchard Park by the hands of uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. 2010, they make the playoffs. They clinch the top two seed, top two seeds in the AFC. What happens then? They get upset in their own building uh, by uh, by Rex Ryan, Bart Scott, and Mark Sanchez. And the New York Jets, uh, one and done, uh, one and done. Here today, gone tomorrow. Back to back years with Brady and the Pats in 2009 and in 2010. So think about this for a second. 08. So think about this. 07. Their phenomenal season comes to a shocking halt, losing to the losing to the Giants in Super Bowl 42. 08. Brady has his knee wrecked up. Oh nine, they have a good season. Brady's back. They make the playoffs, losing a first round uh, to Ray Rice and the Ravens. Two thousand ten, they clinch a they get they clinch a uh, first round bye, but losing in their relatively first round opening round playoff game to their division rival New York Jets at home. So it's Brady. So it's Super Bowl upset against the Giants. Brady wrecks his knee. Back to back first round home playoff losses to the Ravens and Jets in 2009 and 2010. 2011, 
top seed in the top seed or number one seed in the AFC. They uh, be, they beat the number two seeded. Uh, first of all, they beat the living hell out of Tim Tebow and the Denver and the Denver Broncos in their opening round playoff game in the divisional round. Then championship Sunday, they played a, the two seeded Baltimore Ravens thanks to a Lee Evans drop and a Billy Cundiff shanked field goal wide to the left. They end up winning the AFC and make it back to their and make it back to uh, to the Super Bowl for the first time since that 07 season. Who they run into? The good old big bad New York Giants losing at Super Bowl, Super Bowl 46. And in 2012, they make it back to the AFC Championship game again, only to lose to the Ravens in the in a rematch. And the Ravens end up winning the AFC and winning the Super Bowl, beating the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl 47. And then Super, and then and then you go to 2013. What happens? They lose at they lose on the road in Denver in the AFC Championship game to Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. And then 2014, they they make it back to the Super Bowl and win. And it's hard to believe, you know, Brady and Belichick, you know, with that tremendous deal on the fact that they're the back end of their uh, the back the front end of their partnership they were they they did nothing but win on the back end of their on the front of their partnership they did nothing but win and on the back end of the partnership they did nothing but win but from that 08 to 14 window they made it to th- they they only made the two super bowls and won one championship which is hard to believe two super bowls one championship one and it's hard to believe when you say it out loud and when you go back and you look at it, you know, retrospe- in retrospect, that that 2014 championship that, albeit, was gifted to them. Now, they were number one seed. It was a, it was a pick em coin toss between them and Seattle. Again, how many times I go on the show and tell you guys that that Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl is the greatest football game, greatest Super Bowl that I've ever seen in my lifetime. But uh, but you know if the, if there's one if I were to take that contrarian apo- approach and and pick one and pick one Super Bowl that Brady didn't deserve to have that you could easily take away from him would be the one against the Seahawks where if they give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, Patriots uh, Patriots don't win don't win the damn football game. Seattle goes back to back, and the entire NFL landscape is a hundred is a one eighty totally different than as we know it today in February two thousand and twenty two. So that's the one that's the one ring in Brady's career I can pinpoint and say ah that that's the one championship that that Brady that Brady's lucky to have. And Brady knew it because because I, I he either gave his he either gave his MVP trophy or gave his MVP car to Malcolm Butler. He gave it to him. Yeah, I can't. It was either a, it was either the Chevrolet car that they gave him or it was the trophy. E- either way, either way, Malcolm Butler has something that was given to Tom Brady in name, but Brady gave it to him because it was like he's because even Brady knows. Like he's the real MVP of this game. If Malcolm Butler doesn't make that play, make that read, catch that football and intercept it, I I'm not I'm not standing up here on this stage with the Lombardi Trophy in my hand, cause, cause because he because everybody and their mother knew that that was the Seahawks championship to win. So if there's one championship that I can pinpoint that the Patriots won in that 08 to 14 period, it was one against the Seattle Seahawks. 
but they won it nevertheless. You give them, you know, it still counts the same as all the other ones. Even if even if you take that away and, he's, and he has the six, he's still the greatest quarterback of all time. Doesn't affect his GOAT status one way or another. What what does what does go into effect, of course, is you wonder about the NFL landscape, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, and the fact of you know that the Seattle Seahawks haven't been the same since that play. So that that in itself is different, but I don't think Brady's legacy is different if uh, if either the pass is caught by Matthews in the end zone or they give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and the Seahawks win the game and go back to back. But ironically enough. That was the Patriots' first championship in 10 seasons. They had gone from 04 up until that 2014 season without a championship in which they beat Seattle in Super Bowl 49. And then you go from 2015, 2021, 2015, they lose the AFC Championship game on the road once again to the Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos and the last ever Brady versus uh, Manning matchup, 2016. Brady gets suspended first four games with the whole deflate gate controversy. Then all of a sudden goes on a revenge tour. Wins, you know, wins the beats a living hell out of uh, out of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2016 AFC Championship game. 28-3 comeback against Atlanta. They win in overtime. Greatest comeback in NFL history. Tom Brady has it to his name, and that was the game that you know. If you ask any football fan, that really cemented Tom's goat status. Was that twenty six? Was that uh, twenty eight to three Super Bowl uh, 51 2016 championship season? And then from two thousand seven and two thousand seventeen, uh, two thousand seventeen, they beat the Titans in the divisional round again. Win the division again. Clinton lock up number one seed, whole nine yards. Run into the story, ran, run into the Cinderella Jacksonville Jaguars team. They beat, they beat them, they uh, edged them out thanks to a tremendous defensive uh, pass on the fourth down on uh, on the Jaguars' final possession of note of a, of a Stephon Gilmore deflected pass. Of course, the refs, you know, screwing up Miles Jack, who was who was ruled down incorrectly. That should have went into a touchdown into the uh, favor of Jacksonville. On, you know, final three minutes and change of the game. Brady and the Patriots, what do they do? Smount the comeback against Jacksonville Jaguar, against uh, Blake Bortles and Jacksonville Jaguars to win the AFC in 2017. Fall victim to Nick Foles in the Philly Special in Super Bowl 52. Fail to put together the 16-17 comeback, although they do repeat and go back-to-back back as AFC champions. And they repeat, or excuse me, they three-peat. Three-peat as AFC champions in 2018, making it to a third straight, making it to yet another AFC championship game. This time, uh, this time beating the Los Angeles Rams in an absolute slugfest, uh, an absolute slugfest uh, down at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. One touchdown was scored in the game. Of course, unlike unlike the uh, unlike the 17. Unlike the 17 and 16 AFC Championship games, Patriots, on just like the AFC Championship games, they had to play against the uh, against the Steelers in 01, the uh, and and against the Broncos in 2013 and 15. And they gotta go on the road for the AFC Championship game and play Kansas City. They beat them in an absolute classic in overtime. Get to Super Bowl, beat the Rams in an absolute defensive slugfest. Patriots three straight Super Bowls. 
went two out of the three, but not back-to-back, -back, which just goes to show you how hard it is to repeat as Super Bowl champions in the end. I mean, Tom, I mean, Brady and Belichick, they can make it back to the Super Bowl. One of the most impossible things to do when sports in modern-day NFL is make it back to a Super Bowl, having lost it the previous year. Brady and Belichick do that with ease. Make it to consecutive AFC championships. Now, Reed and Mahomes have done that with ease. But before Reed and Mahomes, it was Brady and Belichick. They did that with ease. And then, you know, winning, winning not one, but two and three AFC championships in a row, you can do that. But they, for whatever the reason, couldn't put together the back-to-back. Which was just crazy. 2019, and that, of course, with 2018 season, everybody's like, "Oh, Brady's done. Brady's French. Brady's washed." And all of a sudden, they go on a, they go on the, a very, you know, with a lot of Brady and Belichick teams, they've been teams of dominance. It kind of appears that that 2018 team was kind of like a team of destiny, where 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 it was like where they really were not that dominant force that they were from week one to week 17, but they still found a way to make it into the postseason, win their division, go to an AFC championship, outduel the young Mahomes in overtime, go to Super Bowl, and outslug uh, the LA Rams in that defensive suckfest of Super Bowl 53, end up winning the 2018 NFL championship. And what was Brady's last ever uh, Super Bowl appearance and Super Bowl win as a New England Patriot. 2019, the writing's really on the wall as the defending champs. Uh, you know, Brady does his best. The team wins that division. Home playoff game. They have to play Wild Card Weekend for the first time since that 2009 season uh, in which they lost to the Ravens in the opening round. This time, they lose, instead of Ray Rice, they lose to the likes of and Ray Rice and Joe Flacco. They lose to the likes of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Brady loses his last ever game as a New England Patriot, last ever home playoff game, last ever playoff game as a New England Patriot. They lose at home on a Saturday, on a rainy Saturday night in Foxborough to the Tennessee Titans. They get upset in the opening wild card round. Brady, Brady, you know, Corona, then all, you know, the, the Titans go all the way to the AFC Championship game, lose to the Chiefs. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Coronavirus comes, and all of a sudden, Brady announces, hey, free agent, I'm going to Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a two year deal. First year, and this is after I said, you know, you, it says an ultimate team. You can't just, you know, plug and play players and expect to win a championship. It's this, this, this isn't Madden ultimate team. This is real life NFL football. Can't win championships that way. You know, they'll be good because Brady's on the roster. Will, will, will they be a Super Bowl contender when they got Aaron Rodgers and when they got Aaron Rodgers and the Rams defense and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and. Drew Brees and the Saints, who are due, and all, and what does Tom Brady do? Like he's been, like he did his entire NFL career, makes yours truly eat crow. It goes out there and wins the Bucks their first ever Super Bowl championship in 18 years, 18 seasons, and his first year as Tampa Bay Buccaneer wins them their second Lombardi Trophy, and Brady, you know, surpasses all NFL teams, the Pats and the Steelers, winning. Ring number seven, 2015 to 21, 83 wins more than Otto Graham, 232 touchdown passes. The the you know the best that he did out of the out of the 01 to 07, 08 to 14 uh, little periods in his career, 232 touchdowns more than he threw in his first 
eight years in, in its first excuse me its first sixteen years of his NFL uh, of his NFL career threw for more passing yards than he did in the first two not combined but in the first two uh, little uh, st- segments of his career in oh one oh seven oh eight to fourteen for thirty one for thirty one thousand two hundred sixty two passing yards more than Terry Bradshaw and won the three titles uh, and won the three titles alone. From 15 to 21 than Peyton Manning did in his entire uh, NFL career from 2015 to 2021. And that included in, in, in 2015 to 18. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, and then from 20, and in 2020. So that's, so that's what? That's five times. Five times from that 2015 to 21 stretch, he played in a conference championship game. Five times. The only times he didn't, 2019 and in 2021. That was it. Remarkable, remarkable career. Remarkable. And again, you know, Brady won yours truly over by beat by beating the Chiefs. Putting putting the Chiefs in their corner, putting the Chiefs in check, checking the Chiefs uh, ego at the door. Winning number seven the way he did. He he won yours truly over, and you know this is the you're listening to somebody who for years, and even in the earlier periods of this show, years despised and verbally, whether it's via Twitter or on this show, verbally expressed his hatred for Tom Brady, years, years, but it comes to a point where you're like you know you grow older. You mature, your thought process and the way you view people and the way you view life changes as you're supposed to as you're a maturing young adult. You say, if that player's cool with him, that player's cool with him, that celebrity, that athlete's cool with him, if he's that beloved and that loved by everybody of all creeds, black and white, along across the NFL... If he hasn't like been like a really like bad person as far as breaking the law and domestic violence and DUIs and hitting like who am I to hate him and and despise him and want him to be seriously bad things to seriously happen to him all because of a football game? All because he just wins. Like like you know, like you're like you put like your hatred especially with dealing with the crap of twenty twenty and 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 and, and, and George Floyd and 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 Amart Aubrey and COVID like you like you put life into perspective and it's like I got more important things to really sweat about and real people to really hate about than a guy that that that's just really good at at throwing a football, and and is the game's greatest champion of all time. Like I like I like I can't really hate on him. What happened? Goes out there, beats living hell out of the Chiefs. All of a sudden, he's got a fan for life. If Tom if Tom Brady somehow got to my Twitter or now thanks or now my Instagram is back. My Instagram DMs 
and said, hey, Giant, you know, I see if you ta- that you've tagged me in previous rants. I like your show. I think you're funny. I think you've got a bright, uh, bright future. You're, you're a good kid. You know, how about you pick a day and I'll come on your podcast for 15, 25 minutes. I'll say, Tommy, pick where and when, man, and I will wear my TB12 shirt with pride and I will gush over Tom Brady for 20 minutes. So I can't hate on him. Can't hate on him. He won me over beating the Chiefs, can I say? And also, and and you know, whether he'll admit this publicly or not, him leaving the Patriots and going to Tampa was one of the best, like, I don't want to call it a PR stumble, one of the best, like, public relations moves I've ever seen done by a professional athlete. The fact that he quote unquote let his hair down, let his personality shine, he hopped on social media. The, with the clever dad jokes on Twitter, you know, you know him reacting when he got booed at Peyton Manning's uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He turns to the crowd and says, "What? Well, what did I do wrong?" And he, and you know, and just his his his, his casual demeanor. It's like he he warmed up to him. The fact that the fact that he get that he you know he was throwing the Vince Lombardi trophy all over the place at the at the. Uh, at the Bucks Super Bowl parade last year, and the fact that he got he got off the boat and got on the dock, uh, uh, drunk drunk as a skunk. I mean, I mean that 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 is endearing, and that and that is a likable quality in him. You know, Tom Brady's human, just like everybody else. He's human. Fifteen-time Pro Bowler. If you want to take that stat for what it's worth, so be it. But what I really find impressive. Three-time All-Pro, seven-time Super Bowl champion, three-time MVP, five-time Super Bowl champion on MVP, named to the All-2000s team, the All-2010s team, the NFL 100 anniversary team, Offensive Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and is... In the top category for passing touchdowns and passing yards in the history of the in the history of the National Football League, wrapped up his career with 243 wins, 64 percent completion percentage, 84,520 passing yards, 624 touchdowns, only 203 interceptions. And oh, by the way, did I mention the seven Super Bowls? That too. That too. Hated him through the meat and potatoes of his career with the Patriots. I celebrated and went nuts like crazy when he lost to the Titans. I was overjoyed when, when he got strip-sacked by Brandon Graham in Super Bowl 52 against the Eagles. I went ballistic and was about to lose my mind when he went down the field and scored on Kansas City in the 18 championship game. You know, I, I I felt nothing. I didn't feel anger or happiness or sadness when he won a championship and his last ever one with the Patriots, though. Part of the reason because that game was so boring, but whatever. But he went to the Bucks. He opened up a little bit, revealed a little bit of his personality, became more personable. 
the, the, the picture of him being drunk off the boat at the Super Bowl parade. Tampa Tom, like that. Tampa Bay, I mean, it's like, and then all of a sudden, you know, he went, not that he cares, not that it matters, but he won over a fan in yours truly. Did. Now all of a sudden I'm buying TB12 shirts, the TB12 electrolytes, which no cap, and this ain't me blowing smoke, one of the greatest creations in the history of, 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 of nutritional supplements. Because yours truly struggles with drinking water on a consistent basis. You put those in your little bottled water, whatever. You you can you you can suck down all the water imaginable with those with those freaking things. I'm buying the TV12 multivitamin. I mean, it's all of a sudden yours truly is a big time Brady fan. On one hand, I put my quote unquote hatred of him into perspective. That was really really more or less jealousy more than it was really hatred. And he won my respect going to the Bucks in a COVID year, first year with the franchise, and wins the Super Bowl. And I also was rooting for him and the Bucks win and I predicted them to win because I was just sick and tired of 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 of, of the of the Chiefs cocky attitude. I was like, yeah I gotta root for Brady, but but you know Outside of Brady, the the Bucks deserve the win. They have won a championship since, since the year I was born. Get, give, get, you know, let, let, I understand Brady wins again, but you take Brady away, you know, let me see some other players on that team enjoy, enjoy what it's like being a champion. You know, let Leonard, you know, Leonard Fournette, for example, his heart was broken by Brady in 2017. Four years, four, three, four years later. He's teammates with Brady, and Brady helps him get that championship that Brady that Brady uh, essentially quote unquote stole from him in 2017. He was when in his rookie year when he was a Jacksonville Jaguar, which I which I which is which I found to be a uh, which I found to be an ironic story. Here it is: Brady breaks his heart in the championship game in 2017, and then two, three, and then three, four years later, he's teammates with Brady, and Brady helps helps Fournette win a championship that he that he'd been chasing since since that 17 championship game uh, heartbreak up in Foxborough. My only regret with Brady's career, and I'll miss seeing him play, and I'll miss. You know, seeing him on Sunday football and playoff games and Super Bowls, and there's going to be a time where you sit back like, wow, I really did have an opportunity, was blessed to be born in a time to witness the greatest quarterback of all time just showcase his greatness for all to see. And there's going to be a time, you know, when I'm when I'm Brady's age and I'm sitting back and saying that to myself. And when he gets inducted in Canton in five years and you see that bus is really going to hit me, it's like, wow, Brady really is like, like, and it hit me with Peyton Manning, it hit me with Ray Lewis, it hit me with that, all the quarter, all the, the all-time greats that I grew up watching as a kid during my, during my infant years of being a football fan, the players that played in the NFL during the years where I, where I became the diehard football fanatic that I am today. Seeing them retired, old and gray, going into like it's it hit me with Reed, it hit me with Ray, it hit me with Peyton. It's really going to hit me with Brady. But my, I got, I got one regret that I never, and he played twenty two years. I never ever got a chance to see him play in person. Never.
part of the reason is because, you know, Patriots don't play the Ravens in Baltimore all that often. Another reason is, uh, another reason is, you know, the NFL regular season tickets are hella expensive. And two, if I knew how to appreciate Brady's career in the thick of it when he was with the Patriots, I probably would have made a more of a valiant effort to go out there and see him play. But I didn't, for whatever the reason. I didn't. And you know, it's funny, you know, I remember saying at the time during Brady's final season with the Patriots in 2019 about that Ravens-Patriots Sunday night game. That's, that was played in Baltimore in November that 19th season. I remember coming on here and just saying all the time, man, that, that I got to get to. I, man, I wish I was going to that game. I wish I, I Brady versus Lamar, Patriots, Ravens, one of the underrated rivalries and, and all of football. Man, I wish I was at that game. Knowing what I know now, prob- again, probably would have made, I would have, you know, paid for my own. T- I don't know how I didn't have any money. But I, I would have made it my business that I was at that game. Knowing that that was going to be Brady's last ever time playing in my city, playing against the Baltimore Ravens, and knowing that he would retire a few years later, would, would have been there. Would have been there. My one regret, I wish I had an, I wish I capitalized on the opportunity. And, it, you know, he look, he played, and I have to go back and look how many times he actually played in, but... But, you know, there are times I could have, you know, said, hey, why don't we go see Ravens Patriots, see Brady play in person? Whether it's that or getting fortunate to see him play in soon. Never saw him in person. That's my one regret. You know, people tell me all the time they've, they've seen LeBron, they've seen Kobe, they've seen, of course, Jordan, Jerry Rice. I mean, people tell me all the time, Elway, the old heads who've seen Unitas. You know, I, I, I you know, they've seen Tiger play. I want, you know, and as a diehard sports fan that I am, and a diehard football fan I am, it, it's a cardinal sin the fact that I didn't have an opportunity to see Brady play in person. And if I did all over again, I prob knowing what I know now and knowing what's transpired now that he was retired, I would probably, you know, at one point in time or another would say, for the hell of it, let's just go see Patriots are playing the Ravens this weekend in Baltimore. Let's go see them. And it stinks because another thing, because the Bucks play my Bengals. Next season in 2022. And you heard throughout this season of the comparisons of Burrow to Brady and the similarities between the two as far as not just their game on X's and O's on paper, but their intangibles. And it and it would especially no especially seeing that the Bengals won the AFC and made it to the Super Bowl, that would have been appointment television to see the Bengals versus the Bucks on they'd probably stick that game on on Sunday night football in November on in October, November, December. Would have 
been phenomenal to watch those to watch Brady versus Burrow for the first time. Oh my goodness, that would have been just tremendous, tremendous to see Brady go head to head against Burrow. Oh my good, that's another thing that I took from Brady. I was like, damn, like the Bucks, the Bengals going to play the Bucks next season too. And boy, what I would have loved this scene: Brady versus Burrow. Sucks we're not going to get it. It does. And it also would have been nice to see because I think not just do the not just do the Bengals play the Bucks, but the AFC North plays the AFC South next year. Would have been nice to see Brady versus Lamar round two. Florida style. Would have been nice to, would have been nice to see Lamar Jackson and, and Tom Brady go at it another time. In Lamar Jackson's home state of Florida. Would have been nice to see that seen that as well. But we don't. And it's funny because before Brady made the uh, retirement announcement, I was I was saying I was like, let me see do the do does do the uh do the Bucks come up to Baltimore next year? Because I was like, if they do, like I, like I'm gonna ask like takes my you know, can we see the Bucks versus Ravens next season? And I go ahead and look, and they play each other down in Tampa. But yeah, hell of a season, Tom. Hell of a season, hell of a career. Only regret is that I didn't see him in person. Might be one of like my at for the moment that might be my biggest regret as a sports fan, not seeing him in person. And before it gets too late, I want to make it my business so I can see LeBron James too, because he's the next all-time great athlete that's going to be out the door. So. Should make the little note to myself to see LeBron play in person before he hangs it up. But the GOAT, TB12, hangs up. And you're also hearing rumors, you know, he's not he's not fully retired. He could come back and play for the 49 Listen, I hope Brady comes back. If Brady announces, you know, if Brady either sits out a year or so and decides to say, hey, I'm coming back, I'm going to suit up and play. And there's one last thing I got to do, and that's play for my hometown, San Francisco 49ers, before I hang it up. Because every opportunity that I had to play for him, the door was, was slammed shut in my face, and I can't call it a career, and I can't like be content with my career. If I'm not going to have my undefeated perfect season with the Super Bowl, I must play for my hometown, San Francisco 49ers. Yours truly will be doing handstands. Handstands. And I'll be like, okay, good. He plays the 49ers? Okay, let me uh, map out when I can uh, catch a, a 49er game. Handstands. So I, I hope, people, I hope, whether it be this year or in 2023, Brady says, one last time, I'm going to come back just for a season, just for kicks and giggles, and go kick it with my hometown, San Francisco 49ers, and essentially li- live in my hometown for a good year. I would love, love, love for him to do that. Love it. Do handstands. But for the time being, it seems like TB12 is uh, finished with his NFL career. Take a break. Get to the NFL head coaching carousels coming up. I'm a TLS podcast presented by Manscaped. Hit it! Hit it! 
Such a damn good song. I understand it's victorious and Nickelodeon or uh, who cares, but uh, that that that's one of like the greatest songs on a for on a made for TV show like you're ever like going to like what what Men in Black is as far as like make what Men in Black and Lose Yourself are for you know songs that were made. Made for the made for the respective movie Eight Mile and Men in Black, that is on this that is on this level. Now it's not it's not now I'm not trying to say that you know Leon Thomas and Victoria Justice are Slim Shady and Will Smith, but uh but but you but you uh but you get where I am uh, coming from. We will uh, I'll give my two cents on these NFL head coaching. Uh, vacancies that I've uh, gotten filled up just to uh, a little bit again housekeeping that in that news is broke during football so I'm getting every so I'm clearing out the garbage so we can have a, a nice fresh clean slate for you come uh, come the show on either Friday or this weekend on Saturday oh uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, they uh, filed in their vacancy with uh, Super Bowl uh, with a Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl Fifty Two champion head coach Doug Peterson is the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, to replace Urban Meyer. My thoughts on the hire is that you know Doug Peterson will is not a bad hire, and I do not have a huge issue with it, and I don't think he's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. But I do have an issue with uh, the fact that uh, that the GM. For the uh, for the um, Jacksonville Jaguars is still employed. Like he put together this garbage roster. He bad free whether Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it's a bad free agency signings. And yet he's still employed as the GM and was allowed to pick the next head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. After it looked like Byron Leftwich was going to get the job, but he said he'll take a pass because the because the GM at the Jacksonville Jaguars is still in place. So, and I think that and, and again, the Jacksonville Jaguar uh, job is appealing. It's, I told you it's not the best one out there, but it is it is an appealing job. And the fact that Trent Baalke is A, still employed, and B, was allowed to pick the coach. I mean, it, it, it's it's like the Cod family is practicing literal insanity 
doing the same damn thing over and over again, expecting different results. I mean, it it is mind-boggling just how inept and just... I mean, they, they just can't get out of their own damn way. And Byron Leftwich made it clear. If Trent Bulky is still the GM, I don't want no parts of this job. He's inept. He's he's part of the problem. You can't go forward as long as this guy is still on your payroll and this guy is still in charge of constructing your 53-man roster. If he's still there, I want no parts of it. And this is coming from Byron, Byron Leftwich, a former Jacksonville Jaguar quarterback. want no parts of him. I mean, I'm looking at a at a at an article from January 8th that said Trent Bulky was a big supporter of Bill O'Brien. Like are we are we serious? Are we serious. Instead of being more worried about and more concerned about moving your stupid team and your team playing playing their dopey games over in London, be more concerned about your GM and how painfully inept and painfully bad he is at, at his job. If a GM is that damn toxic and is that inept to where a form where the where, to the point where a franchise's former player doesn't want to come back to his former employer and be the head coach because the GM is there and because he's that bad. Siren should have went off. Siren should have went off and a, and, and, and a light bulb should have clicked in Khan's head that you got to get him out. So I think that, that, that Peterson is already, has, given a, has, has been given a bad hand right from the jump because of the people... Or not people, but because he's had he has to work with Trent Bulky. He's already put behind the eight ball. He's already playing from behind instead of ahead. Because Trent Bulky is still sitting there and he's still in charge. When everybody and their mother knows his ass should not still be there. Not a bad hiring, but you're but you're setting up Doug Peterson to fail when Trent Bulky is still employed. That's all there is to it. That's the first thing. Second thing is, Miami Dolphins hire offensive coordinator for the 49ers, Mike McDaniel. I mean, Stephen Ross, I mean, he's another one that doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Mike McDaniel, when everybody knows that the 49ers offense, up and down, side to side, east and west, north and south, is littered with Kyle Shanahan's fingerprints all over it it's Shanahan's offense he calls the plays he designs the plays it says offense okay Mr. Offensive Guru Offensive Genius it's his offense you dumped Brian Flores to hire Mike McDaniel another one Stephen Ross that doesn't have a damn clue Another one. Let us continue. With the Raiders hiring Josh McDaniels. Seriously? When he hung the Colts out to dry 
what, in 2019, 2020, whatever it was, hung the Colts out the dry. And you saw the job that he did with the Denver Broncos 10 plus years ago. Josh McDaniels. That's that's the guy you want to succeed John Gruden. Uh, Mark Davis. Seriously. That hire. I woke up Super Bowl morning and saw that. That made no damn sense. Giants hiring Dable wanting to become the Buffalo Bills of the NFC East. I understand Shane the GM. But again, they they don't they, the Giants are somehow convoluted into thinking that 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 Daniel Jones is still is still like at the at the stage and at the point of his career where he can be saved, where he can be turned into a franchise Super Bowl contending quarter quarterback and newsflash New York Giants, he's not. He's not. He stinks. Danny Derps turns over the football left and right. You've 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 Probably, if not already, reached his reached Daniel Jones's peak, his ceiling. Okay, you're not winning a damn thing with Daniel Jones as your quarterback. So you might as well swallow your pride, swallow your ego, rip it all up, start from scratch, start from page one, and see if and see if a uh, if you get a franchise quarterback to land in your lap within the next couple of seasons. Because Daniel Jones ain't the answer. And the fact that the Giants are convoluted into thinking that Brian Dable will make uh, Daniel Jones into the next Josh Allen, they're sadly mistaken. Sadly. What, you're going to be kind of, what, copy-paste the, the Buffalo Bills blueprint and think all of a sudden it's going to translate into winning again? Come on. How many, time, how many times do you see these teams do the same damn thing with the New England Patriots? And it never works out. Denver Broncos hiring Nathaniel Hackett. Again, same thing with LaFleur. And, and people wonder why and they kick and scream about, about Brian Flores in a lawsuit thing. Everybody and their mother knows that, 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 that LaFleur and McVay, respectively, their fingerprints are all over their respective offenses in San Francisco and in Green Bay. And yet these no-name schlubs who you've never heard of in Nathaniel Hackett when he's when when the quarterback of that team is Aaron Rodgers and Mike McDaniel, when when it's the Kyle Shanahan show when it, in terms that comes out of offense, the fact that they get jobs and for whatever the reason Eric Bieniemy still doesn't have one when the Chiefs have Mahomes and Hackett is the head is the now the head coach of Denver Broncos where where he was the offensive coordinator where Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers ran the show. And you wonder why people kick and scream racism and discrimination and bigotry with these NFL owners and these GMs and and the good old boys club. And people wonder why you know Brian Flores is out there suing the league for everything that they have. No further example than Mike McDaniel and Nathaniel Hackett being employed. And do not give me the bull crap about the well. I, I identify as a human being with Mike McDaniel and the fact that he acknowledges that he that he's 20-25% black. Shut the hell up, will you please? Okay, this man has, gone, has lived his entire life uh, looked at but looked at by the masses as a white man. Stop. Okay? Stop. But people wonder why. 
They wonder why the Brian Flores of the world and why the people who are out to play gotcha with the NFL as far as their as far as their piss poor race relations and their racist moments and their racist elements of their league. They wonder why. Because the Nathaniel Hackett's and the Mike McDaniels of the world get employed. And the Eric Bieniemy's do not. And the Marvin Lewis's and the Jim Caldwell's don't get a second and third opportunity. This is why. You guys have nobody to blame but yourselves. Brian Flores ain't, ain't, make, ain't making it up for kicks and giggles, pulling it out of his ass out, out, of, out of the clear blue sky just to get his name in the paper. Nathaniel Hackett and Mike McDaniel. When one coach is coming from a franchise where LaFleur and Rodgers, it's their offense. I understand Nathaniel Hackett may have hearsay, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with LaFleur and it stops with Rodgers. He can get employed, yet Eric Bieniemy with Andy Reid and Mahomes can't. And McDaniel gets employed when everybody and their mother knows it's Shanahan's offense. Okay. And I guess the, also the Denver Broncos are trying to, I guess, lay the, bru- the blueprint down for uh, if Aaron Rodgers falls into their lap. And Matt Eberflus gets employed by Chicago when the Colts' defense imploded in the, in, in, down the stretch in Week 18 in Jacksonville and against uh, the Raiders in week, eight, in week 17. I mean, really? Really? Houston Texans hired Lovey Smith, thank God. But even, but even you can't even give them full-fledged credit because if you were just going to hire a guy within your own organization, and he ironically enough ended up, and is you know he's he's an African American coach. What the hell did you get rid of David Cully for? Not like you were going to be a Super Bowl contender. What did you get rid of him for? Saints hired Dennis Allen. Have no issues with that. You know the Saints are the state. The Saints are stuck in no man's land. You know they are. You know they are on the brink of an absolute complete blow up and rebuild. Uh, they're about a season or so away from just blowing it up and starting from scratch and starting from square one. You know, so if they want to, so if they want to uh, go to go to hire somebody within the organization that's going to keep the defense respectable and somebody that the player, somebody that the players are familiar with and the players know. I got no problem with the Dennis Allen hire uh, with the New Orleans Saints after uh, Sean Payton stepped away, and as far as the uh, and then with the Minnesota Vikings hiring Rams offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell to be their next head coach, again a similar set of circumstances. Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Boy Wonder McVay, the offensive genius, the offensive guru. He gets hired out of the clear blue sky, and the enemy doesn't because why exactly? I'm not saying that 100, 100% of the NFL ownership is, you know, wearing clan hoods and are outright racist human beings. But if you don't think that there isn't some good old boys club racist prejudicial practices going on with these head coaching hires across the league, you need your damn head examined. Because how the French toast is Kevin O'Connell, Mike McDaniel, Nathaniel Hackett, 
get employed and the Eric B. Enemies of the world do not. And the Josh McDaniels get recycled and not the Marvin Lewis's and the Jim Caldwell's. Chew on that and let y'all think about it for a little bit. Take a break. We'll wrap up the program. Give you my last uh, couple of uh, footnote thoughts on Super Bowl 56 to close out the program. Back after this. Support for the Amatel, I can tell you, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming across the entire whole wide world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. In fact, Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Oh, you heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. So why not join over the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer made just for you? That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-and-off switch that can engage via travel lock. It even gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. That I mentioned also has wireless charging as well. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction to help the battery length last longer. So if you want 20% off plus free shipping on your next order, just use the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Your balls will certainly thank you. Once again, get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with the code THESHIELD5 at manscaped.com. Once again, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. All you got to do is just use the code THESHIELD5. Once again, T-H-E-S-H-I-E-L-D, number 5, all capitalized at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back to the Yamatelica TIS podcast. Just to give you a couple of things that I forgot to mention uh, that I've had time to ponder about now that the, the the sting of the Super Bowl 56 loss of my Cincinnati Bengals to the Los Angeles Rams is kind of, uh, I don't want to say gone away, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's not as strong and it's not as, um, as, uh, flaming and vibrant as it was when it occurred a little over a week ago. Um, just to give a couple of things here to close out this episode of the Amatelic TIS podcast. For one, uh, you know, just to go through, let's like do the Rams first and then the Bengals and then the TV ratings and the NBC broadcast. And again, that I did not have a chance to address uh, last uh, Tuesday or so. Um, is that Cooper Cup. Listen, great. One of the most fantastic NFL regular seasons, you, and not just NFL regular seasons, NFL seasons you're ever going to see. Uh, let, won the triple crown for receiving in yards, uh, yards receptions, and touchdown catches. 
first season together with Matthew Stafford, they connected for 22 touchdowns in the playoffs. That's the second most by a quarterback wide receiver duo in a single season in NFL history, trailing only when Tom Brady and Randy Moss did, caught, uh, had 24 touchdowns between them in their first season together back in 07. Uh, Cooper Cup also going back just to his accolades, triple receiving triple crown, won offensive player of the year, won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Jerry Rice is the only wide receiver in NFL history to do all to do to win offensive player of the year, Super Bowl MVP, and the receiving triple crown all in the same. Either he's the only wide receiver to do it in his entire NFL career. Cooper Cup. Now I understand that the that it's slightly that it's a more offensive uh, and pass driven league nowadays in 2021 2022 with Cooper Cup than it was with Jerry Rice and he, when he did it in the 80s and throughout the 90s. But only but Cooper Cup did all of that in the same season. And I think it's it's also and just to add more uh uh more uh historical significance to what Cooper Cup did. Jerry Rice had the greatest at for at, during his era, the greatest quarterback of all time, and Joe, and Joe Montana thrown to it. No disrespect to Matthew Stafford, but Joe Montana, Matthew Stafford ain't even a debate. Cooper Cup's doing it with Matthew Stafford, and Jerry Rice was doing it with the second greatest quarterback of all time in Joe Montana. Cup also joined Emmitt Smith and Terrell Davis as the only players in NFL history to record 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns in the same season, including the playoffs, during which they also won a Super Bowl championship. Emmitt Smith did it for both the 92 and 95 Cowboys, and Emmitt, or excuse me, and Terrell Davis did it for the 97 and 98 Denver Broncos. Cup also joined 1989. Joins 1989. Joe, I mean, they say it as if Joe Montana's a car. The Cooper Cup, the ESPN stats and info tweet. Cooper Cup joins Joe Montana as the only players to win Offensive Player of the Year and Super Bowl MVP in the same season. Montana did that uh, back in 1989, and Cooper Cup is the fifth player to win Offensive Player Offensive Player of the Year in the same season. His team won the Super Bowl. Is there anything else I want to address? Uh, so we address Cooper Cup's greatness just just to uh, verify that with his stats. Uh, Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald's legacy. Listen, Aaron Donald's going to go down as one of the greatest defensive players of all time and one of the greatest defensive players of my lifetime. I still put Ray Lewis slightly above, uh, slightly above, um, uh, Aaron Donald when it comes to the greatest defensive player I've ever seen. Um, but we all know Aaron Donald's an all-time great. He's fantastic. You'll hear the players say, or the people who are old enough to say, do you put him above, uh, do you put him above uh, Lawrence Taylor? I can't answer that question. I never saw Lawrence Taylor play. Uh, me Within my little, small, little uh, window of expertise, and my little, small, little window of uh, greatness verification, I still think Ray Lewis is, is, Ray Lewis is the greatest, most dominant defensive player I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, Aaron Donald is certainly in a conversation. You know, when you say Nate give you the top, not quarterbacks, not offensive players, but top five best defensive, not best. Here I am saying not defensive, and I say defensive. Top five best football players in the NFL right now. 
his name is his name is definitely in the conversation. I mean, I mean, there's so many great players. You can't even, okay, you say top, not top five, probably be a little bit too close. But you say top five, of course, not including Brady because he's not retired. You say top ten, of course, you throw in the quarterbacks of Rodgers, of of Rodgers, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. Uh, and then, of course, with Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, but you also but you throw in Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt. I mean, you, th- you Travis Kelsey, uh, Nick Bolt. I mean, you throw in all those players within the conversation as the top ten best uh, best players in the NFL, outside of the obvious quarterbacks of Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Burrow. Um, who else? Who else? Am I, who else am I forgetting? Justin Herbert. Uh, even uh, T.J. Watt, who won Defensive Player of the Year this year, and of course the obvious and Cooper Cup and Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and 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 and, and Kittle and and Travis Kelsey and Mark And you also also you have to have to it's a must. Aaron Donald is 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 in that conversation in that list. I don't think he's the greatest uh, I've ever seen in my lifetime. I still hold that to Ray Lewis, but he's pretty freaking close. And he's done about everything that you possibly can imagine from that a defensive player can do outside of winning an MVP. But in this day and age, the days of defensive players winning regular season MVP awards, unless all the quarterbacks fall flat on their face, you know, and and everything kind of breaks the right way. Cooper, Cooper, if if the Colts would have made the playoffs, Jonathan Taylor probably would have won MVP. And if and, and Cooper Cup probably would have probably would have won and could have you could have made an argument that Cooper Cup deserved to win MVP over Brady and Rodgers combined, but unless it's a down year for you know where Mahomes has a down year, Lamar Lamar is a down year, Brady's out the window now, Rodgers has a down year. It's going to be years, not too many of them, where a defensive player is even in a conversation. For winning regular for winning a uh, regular season MVP award, Matthew Stafford. I heard people moan and groan about Matthew Stafford's legacy, Hall of Fame or not a Hall of Fame. My estimation would when I've and I've seen Matthew Stafford play a bunch. You know whether it's thanks Thanksgiving days at Thanksgiving days uh, at infinitum, uh, playoff games with playoff games with the Detroit Lions. Seeing him play on the red zone when he has when a few in, with the primetime games that he's played few and far in between. Playing my Bengals, playing the you name it. And of course, you know his first year with the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, I've never looked at Matthew Stafford and said to myself, Ah. That is a sure, sure, sure enough, no doubt about it, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. I haven't. I've said with Rodgers, yes. Mahomes, yes. Brady, Breeze, Peyton Manning, not Eli, not Phillip Rivers. Not with Matthew Stafford. Have I said, why well, is a talented quarterback? He's got a great arm. Yes. Have I said, he's this year. As recently as this year, top ten best quarterback in the league, yes, but Hall of Fame, no. And I'm not gonna go crazy like a like a lot of other people have with the Matthew Stafford pom poms and saying, "Well, look, we'll look at it. Look, he's t- he's top fifteen, top ten in passing yards and passing touchdown. Who at those stats with the passing yards and the passing touchdowns are in a vacuum." 
we have gotten to the point with NFL football, we really have to put, unless they're unless they're ungodly crazy, and and you know with, with Brady with Brady you don't do that because when Brady started his career, it it wasn't as much of a offensive just love fest that you see it here in twenty twenty you know in the back end of Brady's career. When Brady started his career and and in the young prime years, so to speak, of Brady's career, the the game was still fairly balanced between dominant defenses and explosive high flying offenses. If not, if not, if not, if it was perfectly balanced, it leaned slightly more towards the defensive route back in the day. You know, back you know during my years as a young child, you know, as a baby into a toddler when Brady was getting started, than it did in the back end of Brady's career in the in the late 2010s, early 2020s, in his final seasons with the Patriots and the uh and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Brady was put up exp- and Brady was putting up impressive numbers when it was now it's still impressive by the way, but when, you know, he's going up against vaunted defenses like he was back in the two thousands, early two thousand tens. Again against very good defenses. Matthew Starris put up these numbers A in a dome. Same argument why, you know, you, you, you know why I think looking back, I never s- Thought about it, saying it at the at the time in the present. But looking back on it now, that Drew Brees' career has 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 ended, his his chapter of his is of his football playing career is closed. You look back on it and say, Drew Brees is an all time great man. He's a little overrated, a little overrated. Playing playing in a playing in a dome, which is a tremendous advantage. Matthew Stafford playing in a dome, which is a tremendous advantage. It does not have a great record historically against Aaron Rodgers, which also you got to factor into the equation. And again, it's it's a it's a it's a pass heavy, pass dominated league. Who wouldn't who wouldn't put up the passing yards and the passing touchdowns that Matthew Stafford has been able to put up over the last decade that he's been playing? All you got to do is just keep yourself upright, keep yourself upright, and play with Calvin Johnson for a good stint and. Uh, in Detroit and Cooper Cup with with the Rams, who won put up those numbers, playing with the Hall of Fame wide, playing with two Hall of Fame wide receivers, and the first thing of your career, you played in the dome, and you've essentially for the entire period of your NFL career have played in a pass heavy league, where all they do is throw the football all over the place. So you kind of have to, in some form of fashion, take Matthew Stafford's quote-unquote eye-popping passing numbers with a grain of salt because of the league that he plays in. You have to ask yourself yourself your question. Would would Matthew Stafford be putting up those numbers if he were playing in the early early mid-2000s, the 90s, and the 80s? Would he? You have to ask yourself that question. And the answer, in my honest opinion, the answer is no. And that alone is why I don't think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Furthermore, you can't all of a sudden get out of the abyss of playing with the Detroit Lions, a dysfunctional, losing, historically losing franchise, jump ship, go to the Rams, have a phenomenal season, don't get me wrong, put up phenomenal numbers, don't get me wrong there either, win the NFC, win the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden you're first ballot enshrining into Canton. Sports does not work that way. Sports does not work that way. You got to be able to produce the Hall of Fame esque, the Hall of Fame type numbers 
and win and compete for championships on a consistent year-out basis throughout a long period of time outside of the one year where everything broke your way. Now, if Matthew Stafford goes on, knock on wood, and repeats with the Rams or wins two of two in a three-year period or wins three in a four-year period or wins or, or, or goes back-to-back and then that's it, then I'll have the conversation. He gets an MVP vote, something that he hasn't had. I'll throw that into the conversation. Wins an MVP, something that Matt Ryan does, has done, and I, and does anybody walk around and think Matthew then think that Matt Ryan is a legitimate All of Fame quarterback? 28-3 collapse he's going to have to live with for the rest of his life, for the rest of his NFL career? I don't think so. We're putting Matt Ryan into Canton next. You know, you win one Super Bowl, all of a sudden you're an automatic Hall of Famer. No, that's, 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 that's not how the NFL world works in terms of legacy. We're going, we're going to put Nick Foles in the Hall of Fame next for beating Brady and winning a Super Bowl. We, we, we giving him a bus in Canton? I understand Philadelphia gave him a statue, but we putting him in Canton next? What about Flacco beating Manning and, and Tom Brady in the same postseason to win a Super Bowl? You putting him in Canton next? Well, what Flacco won a Super Bowl, you putting him in there. How about Brad Johnson? How about Trent Dofer? Okay? We putting Rich Gannon into the Hall of Fame? He won an MVP. He got to a Super Bowl. We putting him in the Hall of Fame next? Rich Gannon, Dilfer, Brad Johnson, Matt Ryan, Nick Foles. You, we putting them in Canton next. They've won Super Rich Gannon didn't win a Super Bowl, but you get the idea. He won an MVP. Matt Ryan got to a Super Bowl, won an MVP. Brad Johnson, Dilfer, Nick Foles, Joe Flacco have won, have won Super Bowl. You putting them in the Hall of Fame next? No, we're not. And again, A, it's not like that Matthew Stafford's career is over. B, he still has a lot more left to prove on his resume for him to make for me to think of him as 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 Hall of Fame. But as of the moment, no. His one sole argument is is the passing yards and the passing touchdowns, and that's because he plays in a ultra pass heavy league in 2021-2022. No MVP votes, no offensive player of the years. No all pros, nothing. Got one Pro Bowl, that's it. One. But what I look at is multiple Super Bowls, multiple Super Bowls, all pros, and awards. MVPs slash MVP votes. All pros, offensive player of the years. Rodgers, Brady, Peyton Manning. Drew Brees, quarterbacks like that. Not only do they have the passing yards and the passing touchdowns and the touchdown and interception ratio and the rings and everything else, they also got got those personal accolades to lean upon too. The MVPs, the Offensive Player of the Years, the All Pros, a Super Bowl championship, no MVP, no Super Bowl MVP, no MVP votes, no All Pros, no Offensive Player of the Years. That's that's not a strong enough resume for me to induct him into the likes of Canton, Ohio, with soon to be Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, soon to be Tom Brady, Bradshaw, Montana, Marino, guys of that nature, Unitas, 
Bart Starr, guys of that nature. Not yet. Soon. But if if he if he if he puts together a little something something in his next in the next few years, but not now. I'm sorry. Not now. Not now. People simply has has somebody on Twitter, you know, simply trying to tell me that that awards are, are are nothing but a popularity contest. I mean, really. Aaron Rodgers won yet won his back to back MVP vote when everybody and their mother. You know, was voicing their opinion in the media about how much he couldn't stand the guy. He lied about COVID, this, that, and the other, and he won. And he won another MVP, damn near unanimously. And I got again. I got some stooge telling me on Twitter that all that awards shouldn't count, uh, be because they're nothing but a popularity contest. All because his boy, all because his boy, uh, Matthew Stafford's trophy case was bare prior until this 2021 season. I mean, I mean, come on, give me a break. Jalen Ramsey, overrated. I didn't have a chance to say it last week, so I'll say it this week. Overrated. He allowed 160 receiving yards in the Super Bowl, and that's the most he, most receiving yards he's ever allowed in a single game of his NFL career. So Jalen Ramsey now getting paid a whole a little overrated. Nice, nice, nice quarter. Not bad. Overrated. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Torched them and toasted them and ate them for lunch. Ate him for lunch. And just think about this for a second. If one of these two things happen. If the flag is not thrown on Logan Wilson. And Matthew Stafford either A throws the interception or incomplete pass on fourth and goal. Or. Or. Joe Burrow gets a second, second and a half, two more seconds before Aaron Donald comes in, swooping in and, and swooping in to sack him, swooping in to tackle him. If Joe Burrow gets a second and a half, two seconds longer, more, two, two and a half, two, uh, second, second and a half, two seconds longer, more in protection, pass protection. Eli Apple is not the NFL's donkey of the month on Twitter. Jalen Ramsey is, because Jalen Ramsey, what, 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 thank God for Aaron Donald if you're Jalen Ramsey, because one for Aaron Donald, I mean, he would be Eli Apple, huh? Jalen Ramsey would be get would have been would they they'd still be talking about him if Burrow had a second and a half more in time to throw. Because Jamar Chase didn't just burn Jalen Ramsey on that fourth and one. He destroyed him. Burrow gets a second, second and a half longer more protection. It's it's caught Jamar Chase, touchdown, Bengals win the Super Bowl. Jalen Ramsey will won't hear the end of it until won't hear the end of his performance in that Super Bowl till the day he dies. Because he was atrocious. Atrocious in the game. Terrible. Ramsey's very overrated. You gotta, you gotta be fair, gotta be honest. Okay. Best defensive player that not not that it was any, any up for debate, but it's it's Aaron Donald is the is the cornerstone of that defense. Not Jalen Ramsey. If you're a Ram fan, I said you have to you have to lose you have to lose one player. Between Donald and Ramsey, you'd be a fool 
if you cut Aaron Donald loose and kept Jalen Ramsey. A fool. A fool. Because for one for Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey's ass would still be lying face first on the SoFi Stadium turf. And, and my Cincinnati Bengals would be Super Bowl champions if it wasn't for Aaron Donald. And, and that is fact. That is fact. And, you know, with the Rams fans, with, with the piss-poor uh, Super Bowl parade attendance, I mean, again... I screamed and yelled about this last week. I mean, what 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 little Rams fans? Okay, I mean, another reason why the Rams win the Super Bowl bothered me because the fan base didn't didn't deserve it. You know, outside of Cronky sending every celebrity and their mother to the game. I mean, outside of you know Mike and the O's, I mean, it ain't that many Rams fans. A little more than the Chargers, but not that much. I mean, the the the, the Ram fan attendance at that Super Bowl parade. Was 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 embarrassing, embarrassing. But we we already knew that we we uh, suspected that. Uh, and then of course, uh, and then of course with the uh, real quick with the Bengals, I might as well get it out the way. What the heck? We all know the Bengals off season areas and needs. Okay, we all know it. It's it's getting bro on offensive line. Well, if you got to draft a couple, you know, for you to develop. Whenever, you know, if you plan to go out there and buy yourself an offensive line, whenever their contracts expire, draft a few, draft a few guys coming up in the draft. If you want to use your first round draft pick and draft an lineman, fine by me. Bengals can use an all, can use their 31st, first round, 31st overall first round draft pick on offense. If they spend in free agency with an offensive line, they can afford to use that draft pick to draft the corner. If they decide to draft first and then spend a, bu- a bushel in free agency, I would feel better if they use their first round draft pick on offensive linemen first and let the chips fall what they may. But if it was me and if I'm the Bengals, I'm saying, look, we go out there, we we cut we cut the dead weight. Eli Apple, thanks for your services, but goodbye. Hervernon Hardgraves, I don't want to see you in a Bengal sweatshirt, hat, anything again. I mean the way. If, Unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. You an inactive. You are a healthy scratch in socks and slides, gallivanting around with the defense after. Je- I mean, in the Super Bowl, Jesse Bates. I mean, again, my team. He would have been cut by halftime and would have walked to LAX and would have had to pay for his own flight back to Cincinnati. But anyway, Hardgraves go 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 bye bye. Eli Apple, enough of him. So he cut the dead weight. You got to cut the deal weight for the offensive line. Be that as it may, go ahead and you did it with Bobby Hart after last year. Have to if you have to bring out if you have to bring out the uh, the Grim Reaper, do it again with the offensive line. Let the chips fall where they may. Cut the dead weight and go out there. Money to spend in free agency. Get yourself veteran offensive linemen who have a you know Ryan Jensen, the free agent. Go out there and get yourself veteran solid offensive linemen in free agency. However much they ask, you go out there and you get it for them. You get Riley Reef back. Sign yourself some offensive linemen. Whatever spaces may be remain or whatever weak spots and lack of depth, whatever it is, you go out there, you, ad- you address in the draft. And in the draft, you bolster your offensive line. You make sure you got solid depth with your offensive line. And you bolster your secondary. That's the Bengals' really true a- uh, areas of need. 
and and I think about getting getting rid of Samaji P Ryan as well. So bolstering up your corner, the corner, the corner and running back aren't places of need, but you but you can you, you can't go wrong with getting stronger and and, and 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 building depth at those two at those two positions at corner and at uh, running back, getting yourself a solid number two behind Mixon. Cut the dead weight in Apple and P. Ryan and Hargraves and the members of the offensive line. You draft and sign offensive linemen in free agency, and you re-sign Jesse Bates. Quarterback, you're fine. Linebacker, you're fine. D lineman, you're you're fine. Running back, you're fine with Mixon. Wide receivers, you're fine. I unless unless unless. You can somehow get Gronk to Cincinnati. You got to bring back C.J. Uzama. He's the he's one of the key locker room guys and the key glue that holds that team together. So you got to bring back Bates, Uzama, cut your dead weight, and build your offensive line through the draft and free agency, and fill in the holes that remain with your corners and uh, and uh, and running back. That's how the Bengals need to go in and address the offseason, but we have plenty of time to uh, to dissect that. Uh, Sean McVay, youngest head coach to win the Super Bowl, 36 years old, 20 days. Passes Mike Tomlin, who did it at 36, 323 days old when the Steelers won Super Bowl 43. Zach Taylor took uh, accountability over YP Ryan in the game. Long story short, he basically... He just wasn't, you know, paying attention. He just, it, it, it essentially slipped his mind. It was a mistake that he, that he okayed in the moment, but realized that, you know, wasn't wasn't the uh, wasn't the smartest decision at hand. Super Bowl ratings: one hundred and twelve point three million people total saw the game. Ninety nine million saw it on NBC. About two million people watched it on Telemundo in Spanish streaming. That's Peacock. Yahoo Sports app, NFL, uh, NFL uh, app, NBC Sports app. Eleven point two million people watched it via streaming. So those are your ratings for the uh, for the uh, Super Bowl ratings. Of course, higher than last year's game. Everybody thought it was going to be a huge ratings bonanza with uh, Mahomes versus Brady. Didn't end up being the case. Much to my uh, happiness, that my Bengals in the Super Bowl and you get good ratings. Which oh I should see plenty of a uh, Cincinnati Bengals in prime time next year instead of the uh, the likes of the New York Football Giants and the Chicago Bears uh, no thank you um, and then of course the NBC broadcast which you know I and it's kind and ironically enough is it was a it, it ended up being becoming a thing and becoming a theme throughout the Bengals postseason run where I stayed away and I did not watch uh, the pregame shows. Uh, throughout uh, throughout the uh, throughout the uh, Bengals playoff run, so I didn't you know sit back and watch the you know the six hour uh, watch and, and 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 watch and sit back and watch the the five six seven hour pregame shows on NFL Network, ESPN, and NBC. So I stayed away. Um, I didn't see any. I, you know I saw like the little interview pieces that they that they did with Burrow and. What they did with Burrow and Hubbard and and Taylor, but I only did that by my own discretion via the YouTube, via the NBC Sports YouTube page. Didn't see any of the pregame, so the news of Aaron Donald speaking of retirement became news to me when I cut the game on at six o'clock, ready for the pregame introductions and the whole nations. 
Um, or the whole Mason Nation, of course, with the Super Bowl. Um, apparently, you know, you had Michelle Tafoya, you know, it's her last ever game because she, of course, all of a sudden thinks to see Shirley Chisholm and wants to uh, uh, put forth a career into politics. So she says goodnight from the NBC microphone. Uh, you know, how you doing? Keep it moving with her. Um, you know, Collins, uh, Al Michaels said, here, come in here, sliding one last time at Collinsworth when he did his little pregame Collinsworth slide prior to the, uh, prior to kickoff. Will it be Al Michaels final game with NBC? I hope not. He and, uh, Collinsworth are a tremendous team, but if either Al's retiring or if he's moving on to take a, a minor role at NBC into a larger role at Amazon remains to be seen. Uh, we'll let the chips fall what they made with that. But all in all, a decent broadcast. Had a lot of people, you know, for Collinsworth to say, you know, Stafford is the biggest drive in NFL history. Again, you can't take seriously. A, because, and I screamed and yelled about this last week where the flop, where the, uh, where, uh, you know, where the flags were, uh, where the flags just tainted the drive there at the end near the goal line. For one, and because of the fact that you know, you know, we've seen better, we've seen better championship, uh, championship winning drives in NFL history than what Stafford put together with the Rams, uh, you know, on Super Bowl Sunday. Just you know, being frank, and and you know, Collinsworth didn't bother me. I understood that he bothered a lot of people with the Rams and Stafford and Cup. I didn't have a problem with it because I kind of braced myself for it. No, I had a feeling because of the I had the feeling that because of the fact that 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 Collinsworth, who's an ex Cincinnati Bengal wide receiver, was going to be broadcasting a game with the Bengals in it, that he was probably told by his bosses at NBC or probably subconsciously had a feeling going into the game it's like, okay, people are going to kick and scream and say that you're going to be a homer for the Bengals and basically worship everything that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon and Zach Taylor do. So take the opposite approach, the reverse psychology approach, and just be a complete homer for the Rams. So, you know, so people don't say, ah, look at him. He's a he's a Bengal homer. He's got bias against the Rams and he's gonna be pro Bengals. So you do so you just do nothing but go on TV for four hours and just wax poetic about every move that the Rams do. And then, and then, and then, in the case of the event where if the Bengals ended up winning the Super Bowl, you know, you go out there and you essentially put on the, you know, wave the Bengal pom poms and put on the Bengal Super Bowl championship hat and T-shirt and basically, you know, become Mr. Bengal, you know, during, you know, once the clock hits triple zeros, and you can gush over and drool over Joe Burrow and Taylor and Chase in the event if the if the Bengals didn't ended up ended up uh, winning. The Super Bowl, but that's just uh, that's just my two cents. I have a feeling that that Collinsworth was told keep it down with the tone it down with the with the Bengals love fest, and in the event if the Bengals win, then you can you know go full go full Homer mode and wave this and wave the black and orange Cincinnati Bengal uh, pom poms, and which is why he was it it seemed like from an outsider's perspective viewing it watching it on TV. That Collinsworth was nothing but a big old Rams homer or showed tremendous bias, not necessarily against the Bengals, but pro Rams on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday on the uh, 13th of February. But I didn't have a huge problem with the broadcast. You know, the, the you know the, the, the two reporter mechanism with Tappan and Tafoya worked well. You know, that's an award winning championship level broadcasting crew with Al Chris Michelle. Uh, you know, Tariko, Dungy, 
you know, uh, Drew Brees weren't weren't uh, weren't bad. Uh, Jack Collinsworth, uh, you know, had no issues with the broadcast. I didn't. The only pet peeve I had was, and I didn't mind. I didn't mind, and I kind of like, kind of sort of like the the refreshing feeling of seeing NBC's new graphics. The only bad thing is, is that is is their new score bug stinks. Too small, can barely read it. Too complex. I mean, I understand like the networks love to show off and love to debut their new broadcast packages, the new broadcast graphic packages when they have the Super Bowl, whether it's Fox Super Bowl 54, CBS last year with uh, with Bucks and Chiefs, and now NBC with the Super Bowl back on the 13th with uh, with Rams and Bengals. But, I, I mean, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, CBS took a pass. With up with fully updating their graphics and their score bug, because I was sitting up here expecting NBC to have a or excuse me CBS to have a huge graphics overhaul for the for the Ram Patriots Super Bowl and everything was essentially the same way it was when I last tuned in for a CBS broadcast you know for the AFC Championship game the two weeks prior of Kansas City and New England you know the, the score the score bug and everything else is still the same I, I understand that you know NBC had had the graphics and ran with that score bug for a good little bit you know it was four years since uh it was about four years it was you know a long time since uh four seasons long time since uh since that Eagles Patriots Super Bowl Super Bowl 52 when those when they're uh, when they're up until that Sunday, their current graphics were in the running. So I understand that they've been rolling with those graphics for a long time, and they're a year overdue now to NBC's choosing and to their discretion. A year overdue with uh, with having a Super Bowl and getting new graphics. But I, I NBC had the perfect, perfect, gra perfect broadcast graphics and perfect score bug. And uh, you know the new graphics, I didn't mind, but the score bug's got to go. The previous one was was moon moons moons and light years better than uh, than the one that they have right now. But that's just my uh, my own uh, personal little tidbit, uh, little pet peeve with the NBC broadcast is the fact that I am not a favor of their new uh, of their new score bug, which you will see for uh, their uh, Sunday night football uh for their Sunday night football broadcast coming up over the next uh 3 plus seasons or so. So, we got a little bit of housekeeping done here today with it being a dead week in sports. I will get to the CBA with with Major League Baseball coming up later in the week. I will get to uh I will get to the slam dunk contest which was an absolute joke over the past week and I'll get to that. Now we'll also get to there's nothing I wanted to get to um, that I didn't have a chance to address that I addressed it early in the program, but now I'm oh the Jawan Howard uh, fiasco with uh, with the Wisconsin with the Wisconsin men's team that took place on Sunday. I will address all of that and any breaking news that may occur within the next coming days and in the next episode of the TIS podcast coming up later in the week. For until then, it's your boy Jai Shields. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't already. On Twitter at Amatel underscore is The show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. Follow yours truly, who's now back on Instagram, thank God, at the J Shield and on Twitter at uh, the J Shield as well. Use that 20% discount, the J the Shield 5. 
Get 20% off your next order at manscaped.com. It's your boy, Josh Shields. Talk to you later in the week. Y'all stay safe. See ya.